Hello, everybody, and welcome to Charts with Dan. We have another exciting week at the box office to talk about. The Super Mario Brothers movie continuing its dominance. Evil Dead Rise with a surprising showing in second place. A lot to break down, both domestically and worldwide, so let's jump right into it and look at the box office top five for this past weekend, April 21st through the 23rd. And as I mentioned, the Super Mario Brothers movie still number one in its third weekend at the box office. Another great hold, 35 1% drop from last weekend, a $59.9 million weekend. Again, so many movies would kill right now to have that be their first weekend. This is the Super Mario Brothers third weekend, and we're going to look at how it's doing worldwide and domestically and inside animation and illumination and all of that stuff. In second place is Evil Dead Rise with a total of $24.5 million. It was expected to open maybe around $15 million just a couple weeks ago, and then maybe $20, and it got close to $25 million. Not bad for a movie that was budgeted at between $15 and $20 million, and until just a few months ago, really, was meant to be a streaming movie. HBO Max developed the project for streaming and then decided, I think late last year, to go ahead and do it theatrically, and it looks like it's a decision that paid off, and we'll look at the Evil Dead franchise also in a couple minutes. In third place is Guy Ritchie's The Covenant, which I haven't had a chance to see yet, but it got some really strong reviews. I hope to check it out, if not in theaters, when it hits streaming and digital. $6.3 million for third place. John Wick Chapter 4 hanging around in week 5, a 27.4% drop and a $5.8 million total. At number 5, and I like to see this, Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves re-enters the top 5 after dropping out of the top 5 last weekend and that's mainly due to a strong hold, a 26.9% drop from last week, a total right around $5.5 million and hopefully this is a sign that it is starting to grow an audience. Perhaps it'll be a big hit on streaming and make some of that money back in that way. I hope so. I really like Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. I think it just was the victim of a very crowded marketplace. In sixth place, just behind Dungeons and Dragons, also holding well in week four, is Air with $5.4 million, a 30.6% drop there. At number seven and eight, two movies that have what you might call the horror movie drop, or at least horror adjacent drop. The Pope's Exorcist, which opened fairly strongly last week, dropped 62.2% in week two for a $3.4 million total and Renfield which had a disappointing opening last weekend drops 59.5% with a 3.2 million dollar total so not a lot of good news especially for Renfield which had a budget many times higher than that of the Pope's Exorcist at number nine is Ari Aster's Bo is Afraid it's not quite in wide release it's just under that thousand theater threshold but it does see a 782% increase in business for a 2.8 million dollar total inside of the top 10 of course this movie was budgeted around 30 to 35 million dollars reportedly so it's got a lot of work to do to be profitable in the theatrical window but I don't really think that was the aim with A24 here I think that they were just trying to get this crazy three-hour movie out of Ari Aster's head I have a review for that here on the channel if you want to see it and in 10th place is Suzume maybe not quite the phenomenon that it was worldwide here at the domestic box office a 67.9 percent drop in week number two that's been in line with what we've seen from a lot of anime films this year so far a bit of a pop on opening weekend and then a steep drop in weekend two but still it's in the top 10 with a 1.6 million dollar total dropping out of the top 10 this past weekend scream six ends its six week run in the top 10 and then after one week we have tony collette in mafia mama and nefarious also both dropping out of the top 10 to make room for the new kids on the block and when we look at what i like to call the road to recovery the three lines you see here are the red line 
Online, which is the box office weekend average for 2021 and 2022. Basically, since theaters have been reopening after they closed in 2020. The blue line on the top is the weekend average from 2015 to 2019, the five years preceding the pandemic. And then that black dotted line is the weekend performance at the box office for 2023 so far. And you'll see that after a couple of weekends ahead of the average pre-pandemic, we are right just right basically at that blue line for this past weekend. So we are keeping pace with what we were doing pre-pandemic. I think we're probably going to drop down below that line this upcoming weekend, and then we'll see what happens with the opening of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. But looking at the movies for comparison, the best performing movie for 2021 and 2022 was The Bad Guys, which opened this weekend last year. And the best performing movie for the years of 2015 to 2019 was John Favreau's The Jungle Book, which opened this past week in 2016. So a continued and sustained strong box office performance so far, driven almost entirely by the Super Mario Brothers movie, although having a movie like Evil Dead Rise debuting to $24 plus million in second place, that's not too bad either. When we talk about the strength of the Super Mario Brothers movie domestically, these are the overall three-day weekend grosses for the year. So this is the Friday through Sunday gross every weekend, whether a movie was opening or not. And you see here that Super Mario Brothers has three of the top five highest grossing weekends of the year. Its opening weekend was the top grossing weekend for any film of 2023 with $146.3 million. Then we had the opening weekend of Ant-Man and the Wasp at $106.1 million. Then the second weekend for the Super Mario Brothers movie at $92.3 million. The opening weekend for John Wick Chapter 4 at $73.8 million. And then edging out Creed 3's opening is now the third weekend of the Super Mario Brothers movie at $59.9 million. Now, unless something goes disastrously wrong, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is going to bump one of these weekends off for Super Mario Brothers, but still, three out of the five weekends so far this year especially when we've had some movies that have performed really well, really impressively at the box office. This is just an absolute juggernaut. I think a lot of people thought it was going to be a hit, but not this big of a hit. And it's not just a hit domestically. When we look at the top five films internationally for this past weekend, the Super Mario Brothers movie banked another $70.7 million in all markets outside of the United States and Canada. In second place was the Chinese release of an anime film that came out in Japan last year called The First Slam dunk it banked 39 million dollars in china alone in third place is evil dead rise which brought in 16.8 million dollars from international markets followed by john wick chapter 4 with 13.5 million and dungeons and dragons honor among thieves with 8.4 million when you take those international numbers, you combine them with our domestic weekend numbers, we get our top five films internationally. And it is the same five movies, although in a slightly different order. First of all, we have the Super Mario Brothers movie with another $130.6 million just over that three-day period from April 21st through the 23rd. The Evil Dead Rise, the number two movie in the world, at least as far as we know. The first slam dunks at number three with $39 million, followed by John Wick Chapter 4 at number four with $19.3 million, and Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves at number five with 13.9 million. So we've talked a lot about the Super Mario Brothers movie, and we're going to talk about it a little bit more in just a few minutes. But I want to talk first of all about Evil Dead Rise, because like I mentioned, it was a smartly budgeted movie, even if it was going to go straight to streaming, a sub $20 million budget. But this decision to pivot and go with the theatrical release, I think was a really smart one. Let's look at it first of all in context with the rest of the Evil Dead franchise. It was just barely 
the second highest opening film of the franchise. 2013's Evil Dead opened to $25.7 million. Evil Dead Rise opened to $24.5 million. If it had opened to about $1.2 million more, Evil Dead would have become a five movie, what we called with John Wick Chapter 4, Stair Step or Stairway franchise, where each successive movie makes more in its opening weekend than the last one. But this last film broke the pattern. Still, though, a big improvement over, well, obviously three movies that came out decades ago. Army of Darkness back in February 1993 opened to $4.4 million. Evil Dead 2 back in 1987 opened to just under a million dollars, $807,000. And then The Evil Dead, the original film, back in 1983 opened to $108,000. And very quickly, I know some people might say like, well, wait a minute, Dan, The Evil Dead is a 1981 film. Yes, it first premiered at a theater in 1981, but it didn't get a nationwide release until 1983, and those are the things that we have the numbers for. That's considered its official quote-unquote release date, even though it's dated 1981, and that's what you see with some of these movies going back to the 70s and 80s and further back. The dates can get a little weird sometimes depending on when and where the movie was first released. When we adjust those numbers for inflation, everything stays about the same. Evil Dead from 2013 opens up that lead a little bit. $33.3 million adjusted for inflation. Evil Dead Rise, of course, stays right where it is. Army of Darkness goes up to a $9.2 million opening. So even after those figures are adjusted, still a big jump from Army of Darkness to Evil Dead Rise. I think that just goes to show how popular the franchise has gotten over the years. It's transcended that cult tag just a little bit. Sam Raimi directing movies like Spider-Man probably doesn't hurt. There's a lot more video and Blu-ray. You have things like Shutter. It's not quite as underground as it used to be, and you can see that bear out here at the box office, as well as just, you know, population growth. At number four is Evil Dead 2 with a $2.1 million opening in 1987, and then the original The Evil Dead in 1983 with a $327,000 opening week, and it went on to make much more than that over time. The release structure was very different. So yes, Evil Dead Rise, if you are at Warner Discovery right now, I think you're looking at a windfall that you probably would not have gotten if it had just premiered on HBO Max. First of all, you can never really prove who's going to HBO Max or staying with HBO Max because you're making Evil Dead Rise and putting it on the streaming service, you're just kind of throwing stuff at it and hoping that people stick around. Here, you have an actual dollars and cents figure that you can attach to that specific movie and say, it brought in this much money. And it's a strategy that's worked with movies like Smile. Paramount intended Smile to be a streaming-only release. They put it out in theaters last year, and Deadline ranked it as the 10th most valuable blockbuster of everything that was released last year. It brought in, according to Deadline, about $100 million in net revenue, meaning $100 million of money that Paramount didn't have that came directly from that film. And even if you back out the tens of millions of dollars that one division of Paramount paid to another division of Paramount in order to get it on Paramount Plus for streaming, you're still looking at tens of millions of dollars in profit that came because they decided to put it out in theaters. And I think you're going to see much the same case here with Evil Dead Rise. We'll see how it holds up in this next weekend before Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 comes in and sucks up a lot of the box office oxygen. But I think that this is a smart move, especially with a smaller budgeted film like Evil Dead Rise, 
like Smile was, this is where it makes economic sense to go with a more hybrid model and to embrace the traditional theatrical model. And you have to wonder if studio executives are looking at performances like this and going back and seeing how many movies they either just threw onto streaming or did the day and date releases if you're HBO Max. Are they thinking, how much money did we leave on the table? This is a discussion I had on my Monday show, which I started here on the channel. If you want to check that out, we have a whole discussion about Netflix and their strategy when it comes to this. But this was really, I think, and I, I don't often say this, a smart business decision from Warner Discovery. I guess a broken clock is right twice a day. And it's also a movie that was well-received generally, it seems, by audiences and horror fans. And, uh, you know, we'll see where it goes from here. So good news all around with Evil Dead Rise. And of course, as always, good news all around with the Super Mario Brothers movie. Let's go through our recitation of the different records that it set. First of all, it had the highest ever third weekend gross for an animated film. Of course, if you don't adjust for inflation, if you do adjust for inflation, Shrek 2 takes that crown. But the unadjusted numbers are the ones that go in the record books, and that's where the Super Mario Brothers movie lives, $59.9 million. Over the $46.4 million that Incredibles 2 posted in its third weekend, then we have Finding Dory at number three, with 41.8 million, Shrek 2 at number four with 37.9 million, by far the earliest movie on this list, and then Zootopia with $37.1 million in its third weekend. So another record for the Super Mario Brothers movie. And here's another one. Looking at the franchise tracker for Illumination, it is now the highest grossing movie by far in the history of Illumination Entertainment. $436 million total domestically. I should note domestically, it's not quite there worldwide. We're going to have an update on that next week. But it beats out the record that was set just last summer by Minions The Rise of Gru to become number one. Minions The Rise of Gru is now number two, followed by The Secret Life of Pets, Despicable Me 2, and Minions back in 2015. And when we look at these numbers adjusted for inflation, the Super Mario Brothers movie will soon have that crown as well. Right now, it's trailing Despicable Me 2 by about $40 million for that number one spot. It'll be there probably by Friday or Saturday of this week, so it'll be both the number one movie domestically adjusted and unadjusted for inflation. It has also now entered the top 10 animated films of all time domestically. Now, as I mentioned last week, this does not include The Lion King 2019, which is apparently neither animated nor live action. I don't really know where to put it, but if Disney doesn't want to put it as an animated film, then I guess I won't put it as an animated film either. To be fair, I'm also not going to list it as live action, so I don't really know where it's going to live in the record books other than just as a movie. But these are the top 10 animated films of all time domestically, of course, unadjusted for inflation. Finding Nemo's at number 10. The original Frozen is at number 9. Toy Story 3 is at number 8. 1994's The Lion King is at number 7. Toy Story 4 is at number 6. And there we have the Super Mario Brothers movie, now the fifth highest grossing animated film of all time domestically at $436 million. And it's only $50 million behind Finding Dory. It's going to make that money. So probably by the time we're talking about this next week here on the show, the Super Mario Brothers movie will be the second highest grossing animated film of all time domestically. And then the question is, does it overtake Incredibles 2? Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. I think it might fall just short, but we never really know. And it really depends on just how much Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 cuts into the business for the Super Mario Brothers movie. If it keeps holding like it's been holding, then Incredibles 2 really has something to worry about. But it's easily going to be the second highest grossing 
animated film of all time domestically. And when we talk about just how much money Super Mario is making, these are my own personal estimates given the information that's been shared about the different cuts that come in from different weekends domestically and from different markets internationally. So let's see just how much it's bringing in in profit, meaning after you take out all the money that went into the production and advertising, etc., what is actually going back to the investors? Well, we have the 20% share from China. That equals about $4 million. It hasn't really caught fire in China. We have the 40% share internationally, which right now, the international number sits at about $420 million, but we have openings coming up in South Korea and Japan, so that number could shoot up substantially. Still, as of right now, my estimated cut going back to the investors is that about $168.6 million from the international box office. Domestic week one, about $122.7 million. Domestic week two, about $81.6 million. And then I'm estimating about a 50-50 share between theater owners and the studio from domestic week three on. So that equals about $41.4 million going into the banks for the Super Mario Brothers movie. So when we look at the movie's cost, an estimated budget of $100 million, estimated prints and advertising costs of $125 million, that gives us a total cost of $225 million. The income that I have calculated is right now at about $418.6 million. And keep in mind, this is just from the theatrical window. This is purely box office, nothing else. That puts us at a profit of $193.6 million for the Super Mario Brothers movie so far. Not inclusive of its upcoming box office gross, not inclusive of things like streaming and Blu-ray sales, physical media sales, merchandising, etc. This is going to be a two, three, four, five hundred million dollar windfall for Nintendo and Illumination and Universal and everybody that invested in this movie and produced this movie. And I also wanted to put the Super Mario Brothers movie in context against something that some of you asked me about, which is something that the website Deadline does. It's an industry website that's full of a lot of trade news, etc. Every year they do what they call the 10 Most Valuable Blockbusters Tournament, and they report their estimates on just how much money the movie actually made. What was the profit going back to the studio? And one thing that they list is theatrical revenue. After the theater owners take their cut, how much of that box office gross actually went back to the studios and to the investors? And so we now have those numbers for the most successful movies of last year, well, where does the Super Mario Brothers movie stand compared to those? Well, let's look at those numbers. So these are all Deadline's estimates for the theatrical revenues of all these movies. As you can see, obviously, the movie that brought in the most theatrical revenue last year was Avatar The Way of Water. Deadline estimated that it brought in over $1.2 billion in theatrical revenue alone. Then we had Top Gun Maverick in second place with $700 million. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness with $440 million. Jurassic World Dominion with $430 million, Black Panther Wakanda Forever with $425 million, and then Minions The Rise of Gru with $420 million. But you see there at number 7, my personal estimate on how much theatrical revenue the Super Mario Brothers movie has brought in so far is right around $418 million, which puts it right around how much Minions The Rise of Gru brought in through its entire theatrical run last year. And by next week, probably, again, in my estimation, it will have topped the theatrical revenue for Black Panther 
after Wakanda Forever, for Jurassic World Dominion, for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which would make it, if it were released last year, with the same amount of success, the third most successful film in the theatrical window behind Avatar The Way of Water and Top Gun Maverick. Not bad company for that movie to have. You can also see that I have it already bringing in more theatrical revenue than The Batman, than Thor Love and Thunder, than Puss in Boots The Last Wish. So as it has been from the beginning, the Super Mario Brothers movie is an unqualified success story, and it's also driving some real confidence in the overall global theatrical market. There's a story I saw on the eve of CinemaCon, which is happening this week, a big meeting of all these theater owners that's happening in Las Vegas, that Gower Street, which is a London analytics firm, upped their box office revenue forecast for the global box office in 2023 from 29 billion to 32 billion. So about a 10% increase from where they had the box office. Keeping in mind that in 2019, the total box office revenue pre-pandemic was about 42.3 billion. So it's still a big drop off from where we were before the pandemic, but it is a substantial increase from where we were just last year and even an uptick from where they thought we were going to be. So the theatrical market is showing some real signs of improvement here in the early parts of 2023. And it's largely because there are movies that keep coming out that are well-respected, that are well-regarded by critics, that are well-received by audiences, and that people are actually going to go see. What a shocker. If you actually actually make good movies, people will go to the theater to see them. Who would have thought that this complicated formula could ever actually work? There's a lot more box office to get to, but before we do, I want to thank the sponsor for today's show, Athletic Greens, the makers of AG1. We're getting into the summer season. Maybe it's that time where you want to feel more confident, like you're living your best life, that you're your best self. I've been talking about AG1 on the channel for a while, and it's because I think it's something that can help you do that. It's an addition to my daily routine. When I make my breakfast shake, I throw AG1 there every day, and it makes me feel like I'm covering my nutritional bases right off the bat, starting my day off right. It's helped me with improved digestion and gut health, which has been a big focus for me over the last several months. But it's also good to know that I'm giving my body so many things that it needs. It's designed to help you live easier, live better, without having to change a lot about your routine, which is the hardest thing about making changes in your life. It's one scoop of powder mixed with water once a day, and each scoop is packed with 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients delivered to me every month, so it's been super easy to make this a daily habit. If you're looking for an easier way to take supplements, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Just go to athleticgreens.com Dan. That's athleticgreens.com Dan, D-A-N, to check it out. Let's take a look at some other charts from this past weekend. First of all, the per theater averages and the Super Mario Brothers movie takes the number one spot back from Bo is Afraid, which went into many more theaters than it was in last weekend. $13,777 in each of its 4,350 theaters. So Mario Brothers back to number one there. Evil Dead Rise at number two. It brought in over $7,200 in each of its 3,402 theaters. Then we have Joyland, which added a few extra theaters. It's been on the chart for the last few weeks, $4,788 in each of its eight theaters. Then we have here an estimate for a film called Virupaksha, which is from India. Now, this is not an official reported estimate. Actually, both of the sites that I use to find my box office information 
the numbers and box office mojo do not have this movie listed in their overall weekend box office figures. However, this was reported by Deadline in their estimated weekend box office when they're looking at the specialty box office. So that's why I'm including it here. I know that we have a lot of people watching the show that are big fans of Indian films, of Indian cinema, that are perhaps frustrated that it's not featured on the show more often. Listen, I'm frustrated because the reporting is very hard to find sourced so that I could feel like I'm presenting it with some confidence. But because this was in a trade with other box office information, then I feel confident reporting it here with the caveat that this is an estimated number. This is not a confirmed total. Still, $4,200 per theater for Virupaksha in 175 theaters. And then at number five, Other People's Children, just behind with $4,199 in each of its three theaters. Looking at the films that played in limited release, so this is 1,000 theaters or fewer, we have Bo is Afraid, which is just under that threshold. It's in 965 theaters and brought in just over $2.8 million. We have another film from India, Kisi Kabai Kisi Kijan. I, I, I'm doing my best here. 327 theaters with a total of $968,000. Again, that is an estimated unconfirmed total from deadlines reporting. Then we have Virupaksha with $706,000 total in 175 theaters. Ray Romano's Somewhere in Queens, which he also directed, is in fourth place with $671,000 in just over 600 theaters. And then Nefarious in 757 theaters stays in the top five with $631,000 total. Looking at the top 10 grocers in limited release this year. Most of this stays the same. Patan is at number one, A Man Called Otto at number two, Women Talking at number three, The Wandering Earth 2 at number four, and Mummies at number five. These are all final box office totals. Then we have The Whale at number six, A Thousand and One at number seven. It and Bo is Afraid are the only two active titles right now on the limited release top 10. Bo is Afraid enters the chart at number eight with a total of just over $3 million, so it will likely overtake A Thousand and One, perhaps by next week. Then we have the 2023 Oscar shorts, which bumped down one spot to number nine, and Living, which gets bumped down one spot to number 10. Of course, the theaters that feature a lot of these independent films or limited release films aren't the big chain theaters. They're the smaller independent theaters, and I've been featuring one semi-weekly here on the show. And the theater I'm featuring this week is Film Scene in Iowa City, Iowa. After the last theater closed in downtown Iowa City, Film Scene was founded in 2011 to revitalize the, well, film scene downtown. What began as a series of screenings evolved into a community-supported theater that opened in 2013. Film Scene has since expanded to a second location in addition to a series of all-ages outdoor screenings that they hold during the summer. All kinds of movies, independent films, family films, you can find it all. This weekend, you can see Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret. You can see Polite Society. You can see Showing Up. All great indie films and films that may fall just outside of the mainstream in a lot of other theaters as well as some late night screenings. For example, Saturday night, they're showing Martin Scorsese's After Hours on 35mm. There are also several special events and screenings coming up, including showings of Minari and Batman Mask of the Phantasm. And their mission there is so great. It's all about the love of film. That's really what unites all of these theaters. They're run by people that are passionate about movies and want to spread the love of film and cinema as widely as they can. As all of the theaters we featured so far have been, Film Scene is a 501 
501c3 nonprofit organization, which means that any donation that you make is tax deductible. And you can find more info, including scheduling, how to buy tickets and how to donate at icfilmscene.org. That's the letters IC and then filmscene.org. And if you decide to go to Film Scene or make a donation, as always, tell them Dan sent you. Let's take a look now at some of the charts showing us the picture for 2023 overall. Let's look first of all at the 2023 domestic winter spring box office chart. This will soon transition into just the 2023 box office chart when we're talking about movies released in 2023. And the reason for that is that next week I'll be doing my annual box office prediction show for the top 10 summer movies. And I pick which movies are going to be the 10 highest grossing films of the summer. And the week after, summer movie season starts. Believe it or not, we'll be into summer movie season. So this will transition from winter spring box office to just 2023 box office. And now we'll be tracking a lot of different movies across different seasons of the year. It's crazy. This year is already a third of the way behind us. Time is flying. But when we look at this 2023 winter spring box office, the Super Mario Brothers movie is number one. Ant-Man and the Lost Quantumania is at number two. John Wick Chapter 4 is at number three. Creed 3 is at number four. Scream 6 is at number five. Megan is at number six, the only final box office gross on this list. Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves is at number seven, followed by Cocaine Bear, Shazam Fury of the Gods, and Jesus Revolution. No change there from last week chart, as well as no change for the 2023 domestic box office chart when we look at calendar gross. This is all movie tickets sold this year, regardless of when the movie was released. The Super Mario Brothers movie, number one. Avatar The Way of Water, now a distant number two. It sold $282.6 million worth of movie tickets this year. Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania at number three. John Wick Chapter 4 at number four. Creed 3 at number five. Puss in Boots The Last Wish, hanging in at number six. Scream 6 is at number seven, so we have seven 100 plus million dollar movies so far this year megan is at number eight dungeons and dragons honor among thieves is at number nine and cocaine bear rounds out the top 10 when we look at the top 10 movies worldwide for 2023 the super mario brothers movie continues to build on its lead it's now up over 877.6 million dollars worldwide next step one billion dollars and it may well be there by the end of this upcoming weekend stay tuned full river red is at number two with 670 $3.5 million. That's a film out of China. Another film out of China, The Wandering Earth 2, is at number three with $604.2 million, followed by Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania with $474.5 million, John Wick Chapter 4 at number five with $358.5 million, then Creed 3 at number six, Boonie Bears Guardian Code from China at number seven, Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves moving up two spots to number eight with $178 million total now worldwide. Megan moves down one spot to number nine at $176.8 million, and Scream 6 moves down one spot to number 10 at $168.5 million. So before we go, I want to take a look at a weekend in box office history, and this week we are flashing back 21 years to April 19th through the 21st, 2002, the 16th weekend of the year, which saw the debut of a rising force in movie stardom. Dwayne The Rock Johnson, I think basically just known as The Rock back then, and his spinoff from the Mummy franchise, The Scorpion King, opened on April 19th, 2002, to a opening box office domestically of $36 million. In second place was Ben Affleck and Samuel L. Jackson's Changing Lanes, with a 35.4% drop in its second week and a total just over $11 million. 
And third place is a film that stars Sandra Bullock. It's called officially Murder by Numbers. It debuted to $9.3 million in third place. And it also had one of my least favorite conventions with posters of that time. Because if you're going to read the title of this movie phonetically by what's printed on the poster, it's called Murdthreer 80 Nomaders. Not my favorite relic of that time, but one relic of that time that people might not forget is that Murder by Numbers also gave us the two-year reign of the Ryan Gosling-Sandra Bullock super couple. That's right. They met on the set of this film and dated for a couple of years in the early 2000s. And you know what? It's good to see that 16-year age difference go the other way for once. Didn't quite work out between the two, but I think that a lot of people now would be surprised, considering that they're both A-list stars, to know that they dated for quite some time two decades ago. At number four is the Dennis Quaid feel-good film The Rookie in its fourth week with 20.1% and $6.4 million total. And at number five is David Fincher's mostly feel-bad film Panic Room with just over $6 million, a 43.5% drop in week four. Of course, when we're doing this box office flashback, we don't just stop at the numbers. We like to hit the inflation button. And when we hit that button to see how those numbers would translate today, The Scorpion King opens with $60.5 million or what we like to call around here a Super Mario Mario Brothers Weekend 3, Changing Lanes, $18.5 million in Week 2, so that movie was a big hit when it came out. Murder by Numbers opening to $15.6 million, followed by The Rookie with $10.8 million, and Panic Room at just over $10 million in 5th place. And that does it for Charts with Dan this week. There are several movies opening up this weekend. A lot of times before a big Marvel film like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, there won't be movies opening up because they want to leave that dead space. But there are some really interesting options. First of all, you have Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, the adaptation of the legendary young adult book. It will be in wide release nationwide, as well as Big George Foreman, the George Foreman biopic, also getting a wide release. And the 40th anniversary edition of Return of the Jedi is getting a wide release this weekend, so if you haven't seen it on the big screen, now's your chance. There are also a few other films that will be widely available this weekend, though perhaps not as widely as the other ones I spoke about. One of them is Sisu, which is a film from Finland about a prospector fighting Nazis to recover his stolen gold. I saw the trailer for this movie. It looks absolutely bananas, and I want to see it. Another movie that looks really good, one called Polite Society. It's from writer-director Nita Manzor. This was a buzzy film that screened out of competition at Sundance that also looks really good. This could be a little bit of a sleeper hit, something to keep your eye on. Pony and Selvan Part 2. The first part was featured on this show for many weeks. The second part is opening this upcoming weekend, as is Born to Fly, opening not only here, but also in China this upcoming weekend. This is billed as the Chinese version of Top Gun, so we'll see how it does both domestically and over in China. And then a film that's gotten a lot of critical acclaim is called RMN. It's from Romania and is from director Christian Mungiu, who already has an acclaimed filmography. It screened in competition last year at the Cannes Film Festival, and it's now available this upcoming weekend in certain markets nationwide. So a lot to do at the theaters this weekend, and a lot also happening here on the channel this week. We will have streaming charts coming out later this week. Unless something happens, I should have my Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 review for you. When the embargo drops later on this week, I'm going to be taking a journey of many hours to go see it, but it's going to be worth it because I'll be sharing my thoughts with you later this week. I'm also hoping to line up something 
uh, for this weekend. A lot of you have asked me about Star Trek Picard Season 3 and my thoughts on it. I have something that I'm working on. It's not a video essay like I did with Season 2. I think I'm, I may also do one of those, but it's something else regarding Season 3 that I'm not quite ready to announce yet, but I'm hoping to have it done for this weekend. And if I can do it, I think it's going to be very exciting. So keep an eye on that as well as other things here on the channel. Perhaps some breaking news from CinemaCon. There's stuff going on all week, so we may break in to talk about some of that stuff. You never quite know what's going to happen here. And don't forget to tune in next week here on Charts with Dan, where I will be picking my top 10 summer movies. Thanks so much to everybody who watched. Thanks to Athletic Greens for sponsoring this video. Find out more about them down in the description below. And thank you for spending part of your day here with me. Until next time, stay safe, and I'll see you then. Bye. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.